Welcome to episode 10 of the OI, an Offside Hockey Talk podcast with Jamie Anstey. This is a very special Black History Month episode. My guest played 139 games in the NHL with the Washington Capitals and the Winnipeg Jets. Also played in the Newfoundland Senior Hockey League for the St. John's Caps in the 1980s. He won a Calder Cup with the New Brunswick Hawks in the 81-82 season and finished his career with the Nova Scotia Voyagers in the American Hockey League. He was inducted in the Nova Scotia Sport Hall of Fame in 1998 and also coached in the Maritime Junior A League here in the Maritimes. He hails from Amherst, Nova Scotia, and he's the first Nova Scotian black hockey player to make it in the NHL, Mr. Bill Riley. Bill, welcome to episode 10 of the OI. How's everything in, at home in New Brunswick right now with, with everyone dealing with the pandemic? Well, you know, I think everybody's a little shack wacky and, uh, you know, anxious to get this behind us. No, 100%. 100% and uh, where it's Black History Month, I wanted you on the OI. Talk about Black History Month. You are the only Nova Scotian black player to make the NHL. Just tell the OI viewers and the offside viewers your your journey, uh, where it all began. I know you're from the lovely town of Amherst, Nova Scotia, which which is on the border there of New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. So uh, just tell everyone your story, how it all began, and uh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I started in Amherst playing, uh, came out through the minor hockey ranks, and then a... Uh, a uh, local lawyer by the name of uh, Mo Maurice Bent. He uh, started the local junior team, the Amherst Ramblers. And uh, so I played junior hockey for them. Uh, you know, led the team in scoring every year I played for them. Uh, then I went on out to British Columbia, played senior hockey, won the scoring race out there three years in a row, was scouted by the Washington Capitals and went to their training camp and impressed them enough to get a minor league contract in, in uh, Dayton, Ohio with the Dayton Gems. And I put two and a half years in there. And then I was lucky enough to be called up to the big club. There was a coach. We, we spoke um, before recording this this evening. Who was the gentleman that discovered you in, in that senior league? It was the, um, was it the PWHL? Yeah. What, what was the league called in BC? And it was called, it was called the Pacific Northwest Hockey League. Yes, and there was and, a uh, oh, and, and there was a Pacific gentleman that discovered you, who is part was part of the Washington Capitals organization. Just tell us about that individual. Well, he he was a scout named Lou Jankowski, okay. and I believe he has a grandson playing now in the National Hockey League, and uh, so you know he relayed the information on to Tommy McVie, who I had uh, sent a letter off to. And, uh, you know, I got down there and, and impressed enough uh, at the, the uh, initial training camp in London, Ontario, to get an invite to the uh, Dayton Gems in the International Hockey League. And uh, had the good fortune of, of making that club because there's such a fine line between making it and not making it. And there were 60 guys in the Washington in the big camp. And then I believe there was another 40 or 50 in the uh, Dayton camp. So. I consider myself very lucky to have been able to, to be one of the 22 players they kept. 
So you play, you went on to play 139 NHL games in the National Hockey League. You also played with the Winnipeg Jets. So how was that experience? Well, that is. <laughs> That experience, uh, it was a different kind of an experience. It, it, you know, I went up there, uh, I went to their training camp, probably had the best training camp of my 10-year professional career. I actually, I believe, what they called it in the hockey world, I, I, uh, I threw a, a fly into the ointment because I, I don't think they ever expected me to play that well because they basically had the right side put together uh, prior to the training camp. Uh, but they'd already cut a deal with the Montreal Canadians to send me to Halifax with the Nova Scotia Voyagers because I was a Nova Scotia guy. They felt I could boost attendance, uh, you know, in Halifax. And, uh, so I went to Halifax and I, I think I was, I was pretty sure I was in the top 10 in scoring in the American Hockey League at the time when I was called up and, uh, I Came up and played very well, but uh, unfortunately, uh, their first round draft pick was uh, uh, a right winger by the name of Jimmy Mann. And John Ferguson had drafted Jimmy in his own image, a big, strong, tough guy, you know, but Jimmy couldn't play as well as, as Fergie could play back in the day. And if, and if Jimmy, if I played, Jimmy didn't play a lot. So that didn't that didn't set well with John Ferguson, who was on the hook for drafting him first, uh, you know, for him being their first round pick. I'm looking on hockey DB here and there's a name that pops, pops up. Hilliard Graves is here from the Maritimes. I've always heard good things about him. How is he as a teammate? Just for people in the Maritimes here listening to this, just talk about maybe, maybe your experience with Hilliard and how, um, He's from PEI. So how is uh, your experience with Hilliard? And, um, and I also want to mention Bobby Hall. He played on the, that Jets team. How is he as a teammate as well? Well, uh, you know, Hilliard, uh, Hilliard came in. He had, a, had a, a great big contract from Vancouver. And uh, I, I don't know. I think, it, I think Ferguson was trying to get the guys to take pay cuts and stuff like that. But I... I don't think Hilliard fell for it, but uh, I mean, Hilliard, oh man, could he ever, uh, he could get down low and give you that hip check and, and uh, he, he, you know what I mean? He could, had a lot of guys that he, uh, that he took out with that hip check, but uh, you know, it was great maritime guys. I mean, we talked together and uh, I sat beside him actually in uh, Winnipeg for a while and he come in and he put his check down one day, he just put it down. I happened to glance at it. There was quite a difference in his check and, and my check. That's for sure. Uh, and as far as Bobby Hall, like Bobby Hall treated me, uh, you know, very well. And in fact, uh, Bobby Hall and I and, and Peter Sullivan were on a line together and it was going to be on national TV that night. And I was just beside myself. I was over the moon. Because here I am going to be on national TV playing on the same line as Bobby Hull, the legend. Oh, wow. And it was the, they bumped the game up because of it being in Winnipeg. They, they wanted to get the hockey night in Canada. So they moved the game, uh, you know, a couple of hours uh, earlier. And Bobby came to the game late. Like he, he, is, he, missed, uh, he missed that. And because he came to the game late, the coach wouldn't dress him. I was so disappointed. I want to oh, go wow. to the coach. I was wanted to go to the coach, please, please play him. I want my friends home back home to see me on the same line as Bobby Hall, right? 
is there truth to the story that Bobby Hall was the first million dollar hockey player in the WHA? Did you ever hear that story or? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that true? Because the Jets, the Jets at the time you played would have been in the NHL, not the WHA. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, Bobby was Bobby. They lured Bobby away from the Chicago Blackhawks for uh, for a million dollars. And, you know, Bobby was like the Muhammad Ali of hockey. Mm, yes. Muhammad Ali was the guy that started was the first guy to start getting the million dollar paydays for the boxers. And Bobby Hall was the guy that, uh, you know, uh, got the million dollar paydays for, for today's players. I, I, I always wanted to hear the truth out of that story because I never imagined a million dollars existed back in those days in the WHA. As we spoke, yeah. yeah, as and as we spoke earlier today, just just talk about Gary Meehan and and we'll get into um, we'll get into Willie O'Ree and all that stuff a little bit later. But just tell me about Gary Meehan as as a teammate, and um, he was a white hockey player, and just say some things about what he mentioned about your Gee. mentioned about your game. How and you being a black hockey player. Um, there was a difference there, right? So just talk about Gary well, Meehan and how he was as a teammate. Yeah, it's uh, his his name is Jerry. Jerry, oh, sorry, Jerry, Jerry no Meehan. Problem. Yes. Yeah, Jerry was a class act. Uh, he was uh, uh, he was I would say the unofficial captain and the unofficial coach because he he was so good at helping young players. He helped me so much and taught me so much. Uh, about the game and all the little, little things that make it, you know, that add up at the end of the night that, you know, make you successful. And uh, Jerry Meehan was a credit to any organization that he was involved with because he was the ultimate team player. Uh, we ended up on a line together. Uh, Jerry was seen in, uh, was uh, centering Mike Marsden and I, and uh, you know, of course the boys named it the Oreo cookie line, right. And it was all in good fun. Uh, you know, and uh, we all got along, but I can't say enough good things about Jerry Meehan. He just, and, you know, the guy had tremendous skill and he worked his butt off every game and every practice. So it's, it is February and it's Black History Month. Um, and as we spoke earlier in the day, just talk about, just talk about Willie O'Ree, talk about Black History Month. Um, it's already been mentioned Wayne Simmons, we, we, myself and James Roberts, we follow the Toronto Maple Leafs and Wayne Simmons was on Sportsnet last night and mentioned that, you know, Willie O'Ree is, is the pioneer behind Black History Month. And, and as we spoke earlier today, is there, is, there too much, is there too much spotlight on Willie and not enough on Bill Riley? Um, the name is not coming coming to me right now, but you mentioned Mike another, Marsden. Yes, Mike Marsden. Um, and there's Piercy Paris. There was three other individuals, or two other individuals, played with St. Mary's. It was the first black line in St. Mary's hockey. A, um, it would have been a different uh, league back in the day. Now it's AUS hockey. But is yeah. there too is there too much spotlight on Willie O'Ree and not enough um, talk about yourself and others? Well, I, I, I would think, I would think uh, so, uh, you know, because it's, you know, like, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I was Willie O'Ree in road hockey growing up as a kid, right? 
I mean, he was one of my idols and this type of thing. But, you know, I, I'm a strong believer that you have, you know, you have to be a, to be a total team player. You have to talk about everybody. And, you know, like sometimes after a while, it, you know, stuff becomes old news if you keep hearing it over and over and over. Now, if you take Mike Marsden and I, I, I find it very strange that the National Hockey League has not reached out to Mike Marsden or myself because we were the first two black hockey players to play on the same team in the National Hockey League. We were the first, you know, nobody else did that. And, uh, and not only that, we were the first two black hockey players to play in the same line together in the National Hockey League. Yet nobody's ever reached out to us to ask us about, you know, our experiences, the roadblocks that were, that were put up in front of us, the doors that were shut in our face. Uh, you know, we have a story to tell as well. And uh, not to try to blow my own horn, but uh, Jerry Mann said that, and he was the general manager of the Buffalo Sabres, and said that Bill Riley was the first black hockey player to play meaningful minutes in the National Hockey League. Yet, I don't hear from anybody. And, uh, you know, like I said, in Washington, D.C., as we know, the population is probably 70% black. And uh, I thought I had a lot to offer to, you know, the kids in Fort DuPont where we used to practice, practice rink. Well, I, the only, uh, you know, the only white children that I ever seen in that rink were box, uh, Bugsy Watson's kids when he bought them to practice. But other than that, you know, it was 99% black. And I always said, geez, I'd love to go back there someday and help those kids and teach them how to play hockey. But there's never been any opportunities, uh, you know, presented to me. You have been on hometown hockey and Christine Simpson has, there was a piece on Sportsnet, uh, sportsnet.ca, YouTube. Um, you have been, um, you have been on Sportsnet talking about Black History Month. Paul Hollingsworth, who is here in Halifax at CTV Atlantic, yeah. he had a, he had a piece on about Bill Riley last week, uh, last week. And we had, me and you had a phone conversation uh, maybe last week or so, and you mentioned mentioned about there's too much spotlight on Willie and not enough on myself and and other black uh, hockey players. And um, no, I, I never I never said there's too much on Willie or there's not okay. enough on myself. I, what okay. I said was is is that you know. Uh, there's there were other black players there's great black hockey players that never got a chance to play in the national hockey league when you talk about herb carnegie and you talk about art dorrington you know there should be i mean there was a great great injustice there herb carnegie should be in the hockey hall of fame it's bad enough that they wouldn't give him the opportunity to play so now they have an opportunity to right that wrong the Hall of Fame has got rid of the old guard that had the old way of thinking, you know, and when I say the old guard and the old way of thinking, those were the guys that said, hey, you know, we can't have black quarterbacks, uh, you know, we, we don't have black swimmers, you know, uh, that way of thinking. Now we have the new guard. Uh, Lanny McDonald is one of them that I hold very high esteem. And I just like to see some type of a movement to right one of the worst injustices in the game of hockey with a red blooded Canadian that not only was he good enough to play in the national hockey league, 
probably would have ended up in the top 10 in the scoring, probably would have been, might have won the scoring race, you know. And I'll just tell you a little story, James. I was in the Montreal Forum. We had played in the Montreal Forum. And uh, I, uh, of course, I was like a deer in headlights. I was walking around looking at all the Stanley Cup banners and the retired jerseys and everything. And then all of a sudden, this tall gentleman comes around the corner and I look and like I said, deer in headlights, big time. This gentleman was Jean Bellevue. And he says to me, he says, hi, Bill. And like, I couldn't believe he knew my name. And uh, anyways, yeah, so we, we, we struck up a little conversation and I, I knew that he had played in the Quebec League years ago. And I asked him about Herb Carnegie and how good he was. And uh, I said, how good was Herb Carnegie? You know what his answer was to me, Jamie? He, what was that? He, he was better than me. Oh, wow. That's what Jean Bollable said. You know, I, I was like, what? You know? And, uh, you know, and the various coaches I played for had told me how good Herb Carnegie was. So, you know, like I say, you know, Willie was the first. Nobody can ever take that from him, you know. But there's other guys that helped pave the way as well. And I don't see the National Hockey League reaching out to those other guys. And that's what I meant earlier about when we spoke a couple of weeks ago and then I yeah. spoke to Paul. You you weren't being approached. You weren't being um nobody called you to, to set things up and then uh paul did did reach out um and i did talk to him after and it, it was in the works for a little while um him and um the other gentleman that he had worked that he works with in ctv and they finally reached out to you so just just go back to the ahl here for a, a second or two you won the calder cup in 1982 is that correct with the yeah 81 80 81 82 we won the calder cup yes yes and there's a story just mentioned to the viewers the story about the old coliseum there was a banner they raised your number number seven you were and you were the captain we'll get into that here shortly you were the captain of that new brunswick hawks team and if memory serves me correctly, I believe you led the team in scoring. Is that correct? Uh, no, I never led no? the team in okay. scoring. I, I was always in the, I, you know, I played on the first line with okay. the, with a guy called Mike Kazicki, and he led the league in scoring. He was, uh, he was a very skilled, very talented hockey player and a good friend of mine. And we, you know, we still remain friends today and communicate and that type of thing. Um, you know, we, that team in Moncton, could have gave and this this came from a lot of hockey people that team in Moncton could have gave the bottom five or six national hockey league teams you know all they wanted they could have given them a run for the money that we were that good and and, uh, and that disciplined you know See, but you know like I say again Jamie like not only was I the captain of the uh New Brunswick Cops, I was the captain of Nova Scotia Voyagers as well that's, that's, you know that's correct and that's correct. and uh you know for a black man to be a captain in a predominantly white sport uh, in the 70s and early 80s is, uh, you know, quite an achievement, right? So in 1981-82, you went to the Calder Cup with the New Brunswick Hawks as, as team captain. You played, you go on to play Nova Scotia Voyagers. Just, just talk about that experience and what really... In your opinion, what really killed? Like, I know, did you ever play at the Forum as a Voyager? Or did you ever, like, were you ever at the Forum 
watching games like I, I was at the I was at the forum a lot of times and I coached at the forum against okay. my old buddy Jim Bottomley on numerous occasions um the uh, we played out of the Metro Center uh you know my That's two stints different. with the Voyagers yeah. and uh you know I was very pleased of my last year there I played for a gentleman named John Brophy and uh John Brophy you know his bark was louder than his bite and John uh, you know, John took care of the guys from Nova Scotia. You know, we had Stan Henniker, Whitney Richardson, Mike Jeffries, uh, Mike McPhee. You know, we had the, 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 quite a few guys from Nova Scotia, and you know, Brof took care of us. So, I have I have talking to Paul. I have spoken to Paul Hollingsworth about this, and it's unfortunate. And why I mentioned the form was the Voyagers. They won three Calder Cups in the, at the in the forum, but then when things yeah. moved to the Metro Center, it just it was unfortunate because the Montreal Canadiens wanted their farm club in Sherbrooke, which is closer to Montreal than it is in Halifax. So, yeah, do you, do you do you think maybe the Voyagers could have stayed, or I know like the team wanted like was there rumors during the years you played that you knew at some point the team was gonna be moved and how do you guys feel about that like how did well as far as i'm concerned there's no comparison to halifax nova scotia versus sherbrooke quebec yeah, yeah. uh you know and the thing was is that you jump on an airplane in uh halifax or moncton and you're in montreal in an hour an hour and 15 minutes so i didn't see it to be any big deal plus uh the fact was is that uh you know the fan base was better in halifax than it was in sherbrooke and and you're absolutely right, though. And the year that Sherbrooke um, played after leaving Halifax, they averaged two to three, less than four thousand fans. Then they go and win the Calder Cup the year after they left the Voyagers. So, it was, I've talked to a few players, alumni, and they've said like the Nova Scotia Oilers didn't really work out, and then it became the Citadels, and there was three or four years, and who knows? Yeah. Who knows after? Um, the last Calder Cup was 76, I believe, in, in the, but that was at the Forum. Who knows if, if the team had stayed at the Forum, how, how much longer the team would have uh, been around because they, the, they filled the Forum. Like, that Forum filled those. Well, 70, forum, I know it was a different era, too, but yeah, um, in the 70s, that rink filled up, and um, they got around three or 4,000 people. Like, how were, the, how were the crowds during the time at the... At the um, at, during the time when the Voyagers were at the Metro Center, now now the Scotiabank Center, but you, when you played, it was called the Metro Center. Yeah, no, we the crowds were nowhere near as good. I mean, we may have got a you know two or three thousand, you know, playoff time. We might have got four or five, but you see, the Forum was a better venue because it was like you know it, it had a better hockey atmosphere, you know. And uh, it was, you know, it was like old time hockey and, and the old time rinks around Nova Scotia, New Brunswick and PEI. And, you know, people just sort of gravitated to it. And, and I will tell you, the, the older clubs did a better job of blending into the community, community and mixing with the community than when the Halifax Citadels came and the Halifax Oilers came. You know, it was, uh, you know, there was a different attitude towards maritime people uh, by those clubs versus the old days, you know, when 
you know, the, the Montreal, Montreal would have no problem bringing down, uh, you know, bringing down their, their big club and playing a couple of games in the Maritimes and that type of thing. And then people were into it. But where the other clubs, you know, it was a little further for Edmonton to travel. And then uh, the Citadels belonged to what? Quebec, did they not? That's correct. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And they just didn't put the time or the effort into into Quebec. I mean, I mean into Halifax. I mean, I remember who in my estimation is one of the best hockey players Nova Scotia ever produced, Sidney Crosby's uncle, uh, Robbie Forbes. Now, oh, really? Robbie, For- Robbie Forbes was leading the uh, Citadels in scoring when, because he was a, a free agent and didn't have a contract, they cut him loose. But there's uh-huh. no question in my mind, Robbie Forbes could have been in, played in the American Hockey League and been a very, very effective player. Wow, I did not, I did not know that Crosby has a relative that played played in Halifax. Robbie won the scoring race in the Maritime Junior A League. He won it, won it in the double AUAA, and he won it in the in the Newfoundland Senior Hockey League. Every league he ever played in, he won the scoring race. Wow, um, I want to I want to ask you this: which which accomplishment sticks out the most? In 1998, you were inducted in the Nova Scotia Sport Hall of Fame. Right, very beautiful yeah. display. I, I see it when I'm at the Metro Center. So congratulations on that. That induction. Thank you that, so much. That that accomplishment. 1981-82 Calder Cup versus the Nova Scotia Sport Hall of Fame. Which I I know I can I can see where you're going to lean towards, um, but just. Tell me which accomplishment sticks out the most, Nova Scotia Sport Hall of Fame or the 81-82 Calder Cup? Well, I, I would say that would be the 81-82 Calder Cup championship because wow. any time you get a chance to win a championship in front of your family and friends, and, I mean, that Coliseum, you know, there was over 8,200 people in that building that wow. particular night, and that was 8,200 paid. And I would say there might have been 10,000 there because they had to open the doors. There were so many people in there, right? You know what I mean? Uh, type of thing. So to play in front of a crowd like that and to win a championship in your home, home burn, uh, to me, that was the ultimate. And in 2013, the Amherst Junior A Ramblers retired jersey number eight during a pregame ceremony. How, how did that feel? And, and um, what did you tell some of the players? Um, there's a junior A league. So what time, what did you tell the players um, during that time? And um, to, to say, hey, like, you know, this is how, this is how I played. And, and you've got a chance to make the, the, they didn't have, they I don't know if they had the East Coast. They might, did they have East Coast hockey in 2013? Well, they had, they had, uh, no, no, they had International Hockey League and okay. then they, and then they had the American League and okay. they used to have, uh, what was the other one called? The Old Eastern Professional League. Yeah, that's what you're talking about. Okay. And that sort of merged with some of the other leagues. Okay. But they, but they got, they have other leagues, you know, but they, they don't seem to last as long as they did years ago, right? Okay. What did you tell some of the players that were playing Junior A that night? Well, I, when I went in the room and I spoke to them and I said, look, I said, you got, just because you guys are playing at, at, at the tier two level and some of you guys are former major junior players, don't give up your dream. You still have the opportunity to, to, to make the National Hockey League. I said, when I played junior, I, I only played junior B. So, uh, you know, I said, so if I can make it, you can make it. But I said, no, you won't go anywhere if you're not prepared 
to to put the work in and you know and that's 110 every day you got to put the work in and uh, you'll get the gains and that's always been my message to, to young players one name that comes to mind, uh, Justin Williams, he played in Junior A, Junior B in Ontario. Uh, Mackenzie Weger played here in the Mooseheads. Uh, before coming to the Mooseheads, he played the Nepean Raiders in Junior A hockey. Um, there's even Joe Ward. Joe Ward, one name that sticks out, he's a, he's a black hockey player, Joe Ward. Played, yeah, I know. Played, yep. Played, I don't know if you ever met him. Maybe you can um, say something about him in one second, but Joel Ward, I got to meet him. He played for UPEI. He was a black hockey player, played UPEI, and he's, he played in the NHL. So it, it goes to show, like, just because you, you're you in AUS, you're at U, University of PEI, look, Zach Sill played with the Trail Bearcats. I know he was a bit of a, he was a fighter, and that's how he got to the NHL. Uh, played less than 100 games, I believe, but he made it to the show. And yeah. it, it goes to show just because you're in junior A, right? Look at, yeah. look at look at Drake Batherson right now playing for the Ottawa Senators. He played in the Valley, played junior A. And, you know, I hope the, the, the words that you told those guys in the room, you know, stuck with them. And, and who knows where they are today. But it just goes to show, like, Joel Ward, black hockey player, played AUS hockey for UPEI. And he made it to the National Hockey League. So when you're when you're three or four tiers below the NHL or AHL, don't think your dream's over, because look at these individuals that made it to the NHL: Joel Ward, Justin Williams, Mackenzie Weger, playing very well right now with the Florida Panthers, and Justin Williams. You know what he did in his career, especially in overtime games, Carolina, and teams that won the Stanley Cup. So really, like if you're junior A and an individual like Bill Riley that played in the NHL comes comes to you and says, hey, just because you're playing and Amherst is a as a there's a lot of there's a lot of great things that said about Amherst Ramblers, Amherst, Truro, Yarmouth. We've got a really we have a really good junior A program here in the Maritimes, New Brunswick. And kids that are in junior A don't shouldn't be like, well, I'm only in junior A. I haven't made the Quebec major junior league yet. Or maybe I played and I'm sent down. You know, look at look at your road. Look at Justin Williams and Mackenzie Weger. Look at those. And that's just to name a few, Jamie. There, there's oh, a and lot I of... imagine there's a lot more. Um, well, look Joe... at look at the defenseman. Look at the defenseman in in uh, in Colorado, first rounder, McCarr. Wow, Cam, Cam well, defenseman, and he and he played uh, tier two in the prairies, right? Okay, I didn't I didn't know that, but I know I imagine the list is very lengthy, and um, I wanted to get that in. Where what did you say to the players to encourage them that even though you're here in Amherst Junior A, you still have a chance at the at the National Hockey League or American League, or now they have the East Coast League, which is great, and I hope the East Coast League never folds because it's a place for AUS players, OUA. Um, Can West is the university out west, OUA, Quebec colleges, and the AUS, Atlantic University Sport. That's the place for them to go. And, you know, without the East Coast, without the AHL, there's really no, um, there's no, there's really no place for the guys here that are, are undrafted to go. So, you know, it's, it's unfortunate now with COVID and, and the AHL is, kind of doing its thing. They, I think they got 25 teams and a couple of East Coast teams folded today. 
as we record this um, interview. But um, any any player that's played in the NHL talks to junior a junior A junior B player and says, "Hey, don't give up on your dream. I made it to the NHL. I played for Amherst. You know, they. I hope they never take it for granted. Like it's just, that's no, a, no, really it's important. A, it's really important to let that just you know sink in and take it with you because look at Bill Wiley's story. Look at the many other stories that um, came from the A and Junior B. I know we're as of today, I'm with the Cole Harbor Colts Junior B League. Um, you know, certain players are probably going to stay there for a little bit. They might they might go up to Junior A. Who knows? But um, you know, it's, it's just good to have that person that played in the NHL to say, hey, like, you know, don't give up on your dream, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Well, Cole Harbor, well, there was a big tough kid there that I coached again that went on to play in the National Hockey League. I'm trying to remember his name. He's he's out of Cole Harbor, and, uh, he play, and he played in Chicago and a few places. Oh, uh, Cam, Cam Russell. No, the, not Cam Russell. It's another oh, fellow. Another fellow. He's a uh, tough kid, real tough kid. I'm trying to remember his name, he was in Chicago, but he played in Cole Harbor. Uh, I, I know, I know Cam Russell's from Cole Harbor, but yeah, played with the Blackhawks. Like maybe, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe if it comes to you, you can mention it another time. Yeah. Just tell me about your coaching career, and I um, don't let me forget this this individual's name. I spoke to him today, and as we talked on the phone, um, I mentioned his name, but. Just tell me about your coaching career. You play, you coached, you were in Moncton Wildcats, Miramichi Timberwolves. Um, you, you were in the junior A. You also coached the Moncton uh, Beavers in the junior A league. So just tell me about your coaching career. Well, I, uh, I'll tell you, my coaching career uh, actually started in the American Hockey League. Uh, okay. I always wanted to coach. I was always a student of the game. And uh, so I was uh, I was, uh, I ran all the practices the year we won the Calder Cup. Uh, Orville Tessie was good enough uh, to let me run the practices and be the, his assistant. And uh, we were, we worked very, very well to get together. And in fact, Orville Tessie made the statement, the biggest mistake he made in his hockey career was he didn't take Bill Riley to Chicago with him when he went to Chicago to coast the Blackhawks. Uh, then I was an assistant coach with the Moncton Alpines Edmonton Oilers Farm Club. And, uh, you know, I did a good job there when I was allowed to. And uh, from there, uh, I got offered a couple of jobs. I got offered uh, the job in Dayton uh, to go back to Dayton to coach. And I still wanted to play at the time. So I didn't, I didn't take that gig. And then after I retired, I believe it was after I retired, yes, I ended up getting an offer from the Lubbock Cotton Kings from Lubbock, Texas. Now, I, I shouldn't say I get an offer. I, I was contacted by them because I, I came very highly recommended and he, that I'd be a good coach for them, for their team. And I was quite excited. I was quite excited. And it was really, you know, the, the conversation was hot and you know, I was probably a week or two away from going down. And then all of a sudden it went cold, cold, cold as ice. And uh, once they, I guess they must've got a picture of me. And when they seen I was a brother, uh, no, thank you. And uh, that opportunity was gone. And then, then I coached the, I went to the Amherst Ramblers. They were in last place. I, uh, 
took them from last to first. I took the Miramichi Timberwolves from last to first. I took the uh, Moncton Beavers. I got them at Christmas time with, they only had two wins. And I walked in the dressing room and I looked at the talent. I ran a couple practices, so I called them back in. I said, we haven't got enough games left to get first place, but we have enough to get games left that we can get second if we work hard. And we ended up in second place. Wow. I went to I went to St. John's Newfoundland and nice. I uh, took the St. John's Capitals from last place, the first place, and made them into a, a championship you, team. You actually uh, played uh, your your last professional season was 83-84 with the Nova Scotia Voyagers. Yeah. And there's no statistics available for the 84-85-85-86 year. Um, but then 86, 87, you played with the St. John Capitals. Yeah. Uh, I had the privilege to talk to Doug Grant, and he played in the Newfoundland Senior League. And yeah. I'll ask your opinion here shortly, but how was, how was playing in Newfoundland? And um, what, who, how did you get to Newfoundland? Like how, because you played with the Voyagers in 83, 84. Yeah. And did you think you had, did you, do you still at the end of the 83 84 season did you have did you still have fire in your belly or did you well, did you have I, maybe you thought oh it's over but like like did nobody call like how did like how did you just how no, did it all of a sudden I'll, tell you what, I'll, I'll tell you what happened i i was i averaged 30 goals five years in a row in yeah. the national in the american hockey league you had 48 and, points in your last season with yeah. the voyagers yeah and i decided that i'm just going to walk away while i'm okay. still a good player Okay. You know, I didn't want to be a player that was hang that hung on too long. So I just said, I'm going to walk away. I'll be a good player when I'm still a good player. Now, the Calgary Flames uh, had a farm club in Moncton or, and they Pierre Page was a coach and he tried to convince me to come back. But I knew that I would be a month and a half getting in shape, at least a good month oh, before wow. I'd be game shape. And I didn't want to do that because I, I, when I play, I got the fire in my belly and I want to play. I want to be on the ice all the time. So I went into the marketing and public relations with the Calgary's organization. And I did that for uh, three years. And then, uh, then the people I'm working for tried to, uh, uh, tried to downsize my contract. And I said, no way. And I just, uh, and I'll tell you the story. How I ended up in, in Newfoundland was there was a young fellow from Newfoundland trying out for the Voyagers, and he okay. didn't know anybody. So okay. I sort of took him under my wing, and I take him, I take him for lunch, and make sure he got here and there. And uh, you know, uh, then his father called. Uh, he was running the uh, senior club in St. John's, Newfoundland, and he'd been he'd been trying to get me over and trying to get me over. So I called him back. And when uh, when this thing happened in Moncton, and uh, I went over and I was there for three years, and we had three three first place finishes and a championship trophy, and uh, you know I made a lot of friends over there. I love Newfoundland. I think it's one of the best kept secrets in Canada, and uh, probably the finest people I've ever met in the world. They they are just fabulous, fabulous people. Give you the shirt off their back, and I can't say enough uh, enough good things about them. Hundred percent is <clears throat> is the Herder Cup. Is it safe to say the Herder Cup when you win the the Herder Cup, which is the ultimate prize in the Newfoundland Senior League? When you win the Herder Cup, you go to the Allen Cup. 
That's is, yes, and the Herder Cup is the that's the Stanley Cup of Newfoundland. And I was gonna I was gonna ask you that, and I've asked this to so many other people, and they've played in the Newfoundland Senior League, and they said, "Ma'am, once you win that Herder Cup, that's the Stanley Cup to a lot of people, because that's that's like the tail end of their career. They did, they have no chance to make the East Coast American League mm-hmm. NHL, mm-hmm. so they go back home, and before like, and you have to think too, there was a a time where the Newfoundland senior league were bringing in imports. They don't do it so much now because, you know, Aaron, Aaron Asham went over there and it it cost an X amount of dollars and you don't see it much now with imports. It's it's local talent only playing in the senior league, but I've talked to NHL alumni, people lived in Ontario, New York that have played in Newfoundland. They never got it. They played AHL, NHL. Right, they never yeah. they never got a taste of the Stanley Cup or the the Calder Cup, but when they won the Herder, Herder Cup, it's like man, this this is all this is my Calder Cup, this is my NHL Stanley Cup, and I'm glad you said that because you know a lot of people, a lot of people said the same thing where it's like once I lifted that Herder Cup, that's this is my Stanley Cup moment right here, and you and you got to realize there too as well as is, is that. If you're playing for the herder, you're not going to get in any rink. If you don't have drag and you don't get your tickets early, you're not getting in no. because every, regardless from Portobello, Newfoundland to St. John's on the, yeah. on the East Coast, every rink, Corner Brook, Stephenville, Gander, you know, Grand Falls, yeah. they all sell out, you know. Did you? And they're, and they're great hockey supporters. They support their hockey teams. 100%. And, uh, you know, it's. Uh, those rinks are lively to play in. Did you ever play in the Gander Gardens? Yes, I did. Yes. Can you tell me? I'm I'm actually from, I don't I don't know if you can actually tell I'm from Newfoundland. I was born in '83. I was born in Gander, Newfoundland, and I remember when I was 11 years. I'll just tell you a little story here. I was 11 or 12 years old, and I don't know if you remember how cold the Gander Gardens was, but you had as a 12 year old. I wore my full. I must have worn 10 pairs of socks. I wore my boots. I wore my ski, my ski outfit. I wore a hat. And everybody back then, when I was 11, so I'm 37 now, so do, I'm not really good at math, but um, people showed up in their snow. In Newfoundland, they don't call them snowmobiles. They call them snow machines. So every, if you didn't show up to the Gander Gardens in your snow machine, you didn't. You weren't cool. Oh, look at this guy showing up in his uh, yeah, in his in his yeah. um, in his vehicle, like the vehicle on National Lampoons, the big long yeah. wooden panel car. And if you didn't show up in your snow machine, you you were oh, like, look at this guy. Like there was snow machines, and you were absolutely right. There were snow machines lined up down Gander Bay Road or whatever road the Gander Flyers. It was Gander Gardens, um, yeah. but. You're absolutely right. Like I remember 11, 12 years old, you had to get, you had to get your tickets on a Tuesday to get, to get the game, to get into the game Friday. If you didn't, oh, get yeah. them, if you did not get your tickets by Wednesday or Thursday, you had no chance in blank to get yeah. into inside well, that arena. And how was your, how was your, your experience in Gander Gardens? Well, the Gander, Gander, it was one of the great hockey towns for years and years and years uh gander grand falls and they had the great rivalries and stuff and one of the one of the greatest uh, gander flyers of all time a guy named jacques allard i happened to have the pleasure i knew jacques and jacques was a legend in in newfoundland senior hockey 
Okay. And that's when Gander had the big teams and were winning herder after herder, that type of thing. But like you say, they show up in a snowmobile. Gander, Newfoundland, <laughs> the winter sports and ice fishing and going to the cabins is like what we do here in the summer when we go to the beaches, you know. And the, the Newfoundlanders, they, they reverse it out and they want to spend all that time in the cabin and ice fishing and snearing rabbits and, yep. and you know, hot hunting their moose and having to boil ups and, and, and uh, they're on their, they all got their, their, their machines, you know, side-by-sides or their, their snowmobiles, right? Well, there, there was no side-by-sides in 1980s. Oh, but... no, back in those days, no. <laughs> no, that's for sure. Um, yeah. When I mentioned the, the town of Bell Island, what player comes to mind when I mentioned Bell Island? Bell Island? Yeah. Which, yeah. what... What player comes to your mind when I mention the town Bell Island? Well, Bell Island wasn't in the league when I was there. Okay. When I wasn't, when I was, wasn't there. And uh, so I can't, uh, I can't really uh, say, uh, you know, I I knew they had a, I knew they had a team over there and I heard some stories and that, but, uh, and I, I bet you, I know who you're talking about, but I can't think about the guy. I can't think the guy's name right now. We, we mentioned this earlier and I did not want to forget about this because this 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 guy listens to all the podcasts. He's probably one of my biggest supporters. He, I don't know if it's someone tells him to, to say, hey, good job, Jamie, because uh, I'm part of the uh, the Colorado Colts. But when I mention the town of Bell Island, uh, who is it? I'll, I'll give you a hint. When you coach the Moncton Ganyon Beavers, who was the toughest guy in that team? Moncton Gagnon Beavers. He had the uh, most. He had the most penalty minutes, and he was the toughest guy on that team. I'm, I'm going to try to see if you can guess it without. Well, I had a, I had a, 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 a like the there was the Beavers and there was the Midland Hawks. Okay. And I had a guy named Serge Robuchot, defenseman. He was tough, man. He was the toughest nails, okay. you know. And uh, I'm trying to think on the Beavers. I had. Uh, we, um, no, no, that was the Midland Hawks. So I'm trying to think of, uh, I had Robert McGinnis. Robert was uh, Al's brother. He was tough. Uh, you know, just uh, trying to think who would it be with the Beavers. Uh, I, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the person's name. I was hoping you would guess it, but Jonathan Boone, it, it, he had 183 penalty minutes with the Moncton Junior Beavers. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Jonathan Boone was a good player too. He fought more than I wanted him to fight because he could have. <laughs> he could have. Uh, I wanted him on the ice scoring goals, and he had a brother, or, or it was his brother or his cousin, who was a dandy player too. Uh, Justin Boone played in Amherst. His brother from also yeah. from Bell Island, and Jonathan yeah. Boone played with the. Uh, went on to play St. Thomas. He went on. To, he played with Halifax Mooseheads. Played with the Moncton yeah. Junior Beavers and. We, we actually talked about Jonathan earlier and I, I uh, texted Jonathan. I said, uh, I said, Jonathan, you got anything to say about Bill? Um, just give me a moment there. Look up the, uh... and this is what Jonathan mentioned today. I played for Bill. Great guy. Great coach. Wanted to win as bad as I did and wore his heart on his sleeve. That was that was when he he came to he he played in Moncton as, as a twenty year old. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I got him from the from the Moosehead. Yeah, yeah. No, he was a good uh, he was a good a good addition and, and uh, a good leader, good team guy. He coaches the uh, defensive core with the uh, Cole Harbor Colts right now. 
uh, with his brother Justin and, and Ryan Seward. So, is there anything else you'd like to mention about Black History and maybe mention some other uh, Black hockey players that you didn't mention earlier in today's tonight's conversation? Well, uh, I'll tell you, I'm a big Wayne Simmons fan. I uh, I watched him in Philly. Are, and are then... you on the Are you on the Wayne train right now? Are you on? Well, you're, oh, okay. you're all you're all you're welcome to hop on the Wayne train with us I here at Wayne Team Offside. I was on the Wayne train years ago when he was in oh, Philly. Oh wow! And uh, you've been on the know, Wayne train before us then. Yeah, long long beforehand. Well, oh, anytime wow. I see a brother playing, you know, I got his back, right? And uh, I I'm I'm hoping to meet him someday, you know, type of thing. Uh, because uh, I felt for him that time. Uh, I wanted to talk to him that time they threw the bananas and stuff on the ice at him. Oh, wow. And I wanted to tell him, hey, kid, keep your head up because I can right. tell you a lot more stories that. than that. You know? Um, are you able to talk about the, the Colored Hockey League in Halifax just to give the offside viewers that do listen here in Halifax maybe just a little history lesson on the, the Colored Hockey League? And it's, it's unfortunate if I, my memory serves me correctly, the Halifax explosion might have really hurt that league and uh, try to restart. Do you have a little bit of uh, knowledge on the the colored hockey league here in Halifax? Yes, I was actually trying to. I was actually hoping to have my uh, Amherst Royals sweater on today uh, when I uh, when I uh, interviewed you, but I couldn't get it. I couldn't get my hand on hands on it in time. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, I had a grandfather that played on that. A great grandfather that played on that team. Uh, and uh, the, uh, you know, Jesus, again, the injustice is sort of, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to believe. I mean, basically, they, uh, they wouldn't allow the black players to skate on the same ice surface at the same time as the uh, white players. Uh, they'd only let the uh, black players rent the ice, uh, you know, 11, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock at night, uh, you know. And, I mean, these guys, they had goaltenders that, did the butterfly years before anybody else. And, and they invented the slap shot, you know, and other people want to take credit for it, but uh, there's documentation about that, you know, and not only the colored hockey league, the Mi'kmaws had a, had a good hockey league too, uh, type of thing back in the day. And, and they were pretty good players. So, you know, I, I just like to see, you know, I just like to see the pendulum swing and, and, uh, uh, give everybody a fair shake. You know, it doesn't matter the color of your skin. If you can play hockey, then you should have, you know, the same doors open to you as everybody else. No, you're, you're hundred percent right. And before I let you go in 2017, after seeing a segment on hockey night in Canada, about Toronto Maple Leafs legend, Bill Barilko, who passed away in 19, the late fifties or sixties in an airplane. Late fifties. Yeah. Late fifties in, in a helicopter yeah. um, accident. Riley send, sends his daughter, Tracy, who lived in Timmins, to the site of Bill Barocco's grave to clean his tombstone. Just uh, just talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, I was, I was watching Rogers Hometown Hockey. Ron McClain was doing a feature on, on uh, Bill. And, of course, you know, it showed the town of Timmins, Ontario. Then they took the, the camera people, went to the grave site and showed his grave and, you know, and when I seen the grave, it, it had all of the growth and things on the, you know, a lot of the letters, uh, the engraving and that type of thing. And it just set me off because I, I had the unfortunate luck of losing my young fella at 35 years old. And uh, anyways, it just, just sent back 
memories and I just felt so bad. And so I called her up right away. She thought I was crazy. And uh, I said, no, I said, uh, this is what I want you to do. And, and lo and behold, she went and did it. Not only did she clean his grave, she, she cleaned his mother and father's grave as well. Wow. Talk, I apologize. I apologize if I mentioned the name of the first name incorrectly. Crescenda, is that correct? Crescenda is my granddaughter, and uh, she was a uh, she was the captain of Ryerson University. Yes, and she's the all-time leading scorer of the Ryerson University's girls hockey team. Yes, and she did it in three years because she, she, the first year she played for uh, Western University, where she yep. was one of the top rookies in the league. So she had a great career, and you know she did four years of university hockey. And, you know, she got her degree and, uh, you know, she's off to bigger and better things. And she and she I've I've talked to people at Western. I've I've I have a connection with the Western Mustangs in. Yeah. In London, Ontario. And they had nothing but great things to say. And she was a black hockey female hockey player, played on the females team and also played for Ryerson. And I've talked to people on Ryerson just to get some info on on her before we uh, have this chat tonight. And, you know, people, you know, like, like we mentioned, you know, it, it's not, it doesn't, there's people shouldn't look at someone's color and say, Hey, like it, everyone should be equal. We, we had this conversation today, Bill, and to look at her and wow, like she scored four goals. If, if I'm saying this correctly, she scored four goals in her rookie year. Is that correct? She scored four goals in one game. In a yeah, she year. scored four four goals in one game, and yeah. the amount of the amount of white people, girls, pe white females that I speak to, they just wow. Like they have they have friends at Western, they have friends at at, at Ryerson, and they're like wow. Like what an absolute gem. Like just what a great person, and and she was on that that little piece there on hometown hockey, and the connection you guys have is unbelievable because you played hockey she's playing hockey and anytime she needs a bit of encouragement or a bit of teaching she can go to you and say hey like how can i how can i improve my game how can i get better so that's good to see where you know like you have the hockey knowledge and she does and it, it's 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 not surprising that she's doing what she's doing um because she has a a great relative that played hockey and is just an exceptional person and as Jerry Meehan had mentioned also, I watched a few YouTube videos today. He had nothing but great things. A true competitor. Yeah. You've been a true competitor, a true gentleman, and you played the game right. Like you mentioned earlier today, you could have you could have played with the Flyers. You could have fought, but you had a better chance with the Capitals because it was an expansion team. Tom McVie was with the Capitals. And actually, Tom McVie... Uh, also coached the Winnipeg Jets, so there was that connection, right? So when you have the prop, the right connections, it, it it just helps the road a little bit easier. But you also you can't just say, okay, um, this guy has my back. The road's gonna be easy. You worked hard. You never took yeah. th never took things for granted, and you yeah. worked your you worked your butt off to get to where you wanted to go. And then ultimately, eighty. It's unfortunate, um, eighty three, eighty four. That was your last season, but. Well, it, you know, I just felt it was time to walk away. And like you say, I, I, I like to, I wanted to walk away on top and I felt good about that. And, uh, you know, and, you know, people remember me 
and they come up to me all the time and say, Hey man, you were a good hockey player, you know? And like I said, I was the first plus player in the history of the Washington Capitals. I got rookie of the year for the Washington Capitals in 77. Uh, Rick Green was the first pick overall by in the national hockey league by the Washington Capitals. And my teammates selected me rookie of the year over Rick, who was a heck of a hockey player. Great defenseman. He ended up in Montreal. A real good, steady defensive D. I know I mentioned the 2017 story there would have been the last. Are you watching any of the, the NHL that's going on right now? Like, Is there one particular team you're following, or are you watching any of the NHL going on right now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I watch the games all the time. I watched the Montreal-Toronto game the other night, and I watched – and uh, I just I just got to tell that Simmons send that Simmons a message. You better hurry up and get back in the lineup because that's that's I don't when he's playing I don't miss any of the games, right? Do you think Do you think maybe ten years ago the Toronto Maple Leafs could have used Wayne Simmons when he uh, he lit it up with the Philadelphia Flyers? Do you think the Leafs Absol- could have? Ab- absolutely, absolutely. Like yeah. you know, he was he the the Leafs always for some reason or another always have a missing link you know a missing link whether it be goaltending you know whether it be muscle uh you know that quarterback on the blue line you know that that's uh, or that quarterback up front i mean they got a quarterback now with with minor uh you know i mean that guy can handle a biscuit man you know uh so they're right there knocking on the door but i think they're still uh, you know there's still a couple pieces missing from the from the picture right are you tired of seeing all seven Canadian teams play each other. I'm, I know myself, I'm tired of watching. Now, it's a bit different when you see Edmonton, Calgary, because it's a battle of Alberta. There's a little bit more hate, hatred in that game, and it it's intensifies pretty quickly. But are you tired of seeing, like, the Jets and the Oilers and the Montreal? Like, what? what we, we, well, not, not really, because I don't look at it as a, at the team I look. I know when I, when I see Edmonton, hey, I'm going to get a chance to see one of the best hockey players in the world. I'm going to see uh, Connor McDavid, you know. Uh, when I see Montreal, I'm going to see the best goaltender, or if not the best, one of the best in the world, you know. And pick, you know, like that type of thing. Like I say, Toronto has, you know, Matthews and Marner and Simmons. You know, the, those guys are, uh, you know, those guys are, are, are quality hockey players. And so, you know, it's not just watching the teams. It's, you know, you're watching the individuals that play for them. And then, you know, you see some pretty good guys playing on the, on the you know, the third and fourth lines as well. So, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. Do you think Toronto's going to hit a wall when it comes time to play Montreal, for example, in the final to, to get – to a point where they had to play the U.S. teams because right now Toronto's only playing Montreal, playing Edmonton, Winnipeg. They just played the center, the tonight's the third game out of three games. How do you think the Leafs are going to fare when it comes to playoff time? And they've already their biggest test right now has only been Montreal. And we and, and Toronto plays Montreal three times to round to end the season. So when the playoff. Well, you know Toronto's going to make the playoffs at Montreal. We don't know the third and fourth spot right now. It could be Calgary. Yeah. It could be Winnipeg. It could be. Yeah. It's it's a it's a, who knows. But you know Toronto Montreal is going to make the playoffs. But when it comes down to it, if it does, Montreal versus Toronto, how much is Toronto? How 
I'm trying to think of the word. How will Toronto fare against the Montreal Canadiens? And if well, they, it, and sorry, Claude, Claude and, Julian's a hell of a coach. Uh, you know, I played. I played against Claude, okay. and uh, he's got, like I said, if not the best goaltender in the world, you know, very close to having the best goaltender in the world in the playoffs. When it comes to playoff time, forwards play better defense. Defense play better defense. Uh, when they tighten down and and you get less chances goaltender wins it for you and so that's i think montreal when you look at the goaltending in the canadian division there's no question montreal has the edge when it comes to goaltending so say for example toronto beats montreal in the canadian division final and they it comes time to play a u.s team how do you think toronto is going to fare when they had to play colorado or vegas or well it's it's or uh, boston because it, it, it's gonna happen right yeah. now we we don't know the big we don't know the, the actual picture because it's not drawn up yet because right now yeah. it's canadian team versus and then it's american teams but what what happens when toronto plays montreal and they got to play boston how we well, how do you boston, think toronto, how do you think toronto's gonna fare against boston when right now our, our biggest test is montreal canadians well, you know what? I got to pull. I got to pull for that our Nova Scotia kid, man. I got to that Marshawn, man. Mm. That kid, I love that kid. And uh, I'll tell you, <laughs> I think Marshawn will will you know create a lot of problems for the for the Toronto Maple Leafs defense. He, I think he's just too damn good for Toronto's defense, and that's where I think you know Toronto's got a great offensive club, but I think their arsenal isn't is is isn't championship well, it, material. It, it was proven on Tuesday night and, and knock on wood as we have this conversation right now, Toronto is up five to one on the Ottawa Senators, the same position they were Monday night. We were recording this Thursday, February 18th, and Toronto had a five one lead on Monday. So knock on wood that tonight Toronto actually plays the third period because I don't know if you watched any of the game Monday. They just didn't show up to for the third period and lost. No, no. And, and you know what? That's hockey because That's what happens, what happens is sometimes, you know, they're going to go in there, you know, Ottawa's struggling and they're going to say, Oh, we're going to beat them anyway. We're going to get them anyways. We're going to get them anyways. They take their foot off the gas and uh, you know, and, and uh, Ottawa's picking away. Ottawa's got a good young hockey club. That, that kid on defense that they got there, he's a dandy. Yeah, you know they're, they're full of piss and vinegar. They they were told yeah. at the beginning of the year, hey, you guys are going to finish in seventh place. You're going to finish seventh in the All Canadian Division, and you're going to finish around. You're going to finish in the basement with the with the Red Wings, the Detroit Red Wings. So they've got a lot to prove. They got Kachuk. They got Stutzel, who's probably going to win the Rookie of the Year. They got Matt Murray. He's not a slouch. So they and Thomas Shabbat right now is is uh, projected to be on the Team Canada when the Olympics start. So they don't. Oh. Yeah, he's but he's an, his numbers don't show it right now. But Ottawa has an, a great upcoming team to build around. Um, they just need some veterans to stick around like they had in 2017. And you know, Ottawa, you, you can't count them out. You can't count out any of well, the I, I think teams right now. I think Very this exciting. is going to be a great learning year for Ottawa. It's going to be a great learning year for 100%. Ottawa. And then I think after those kids get a year or two experience under their belt, then Ottawa is going to be a force to be to reckon with. Well, Bill, we covered a lot of things. Thank you very much for joining. This has been episode 10 of the OI, an Offside Hockey Talk podcast with myself, Jamie Anstey. Um, it's unfortunate James wasn't able to join us this evening, um, but we covered a few of his questions. And 
Uh, it, it is Black History Month, so any of the any young hockey players out there that's listening listening in, what advice do you have for those people or those players? Well, what I'm saying is, is you know what, you got to work hard. Doesn't matter how much talent you have. There's been a lot of guys, and I coached over the years and played with a lot of guys had a lot of skill, but they weren't prepared to put the work in, and they didn't last very long. Because once once you get like guys, there's guys that are so skilled that go all the way through minor hockey and junior and are very dominant because their skill can carry them. But once you get to the professional level, if you're not prepared to put the work in, you're not going to last very long. So just an important thing is, is that you, that you, uh, you develop uh, a strong work ethic and you'll be successful at whatever level you play at. And just to let you know, I have, I've just started collecting hockey cards again down in my box i just started collecting cards because i'm home and everyone's doing it now because of covid they're collecting hockey cards so i was at the hockey i'll give you a little story here i was at the i was at the card shop here in halifax and trying to build a certain set uh the, the year is not coming to me right now but i came across your rookie card and there's only a few there's one box of cards that are like my that i cherish and then there's another box that I kind of I'm building. I'm starting to build these massive sets now of cards just because I'm home and and whatever else. But I'm collecting the Nova Scotia cards, players that are from Nova Scotia, and, and the, the 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 I think this is the proper word. The the fro is that what they called it? The big puffy hair. Yeah, yeah, the fro. Yeah, I don't have a picture here to show you, but I got your rookie card, and you're not wearing a helmet. You didn't wear the Jaffa helmet until a little bit later. And what a fro. You were in stand. <laughs> look it up. Look up your rookie card, and you'll know what I'm talking about. But there's, uh, only, yeah. there's only a few cards in that box, and that fro, my my friend, is something else. Yeah. Jamie, I sign about uh, probably seven to ten cards every day. People send, send to me from all over the country. No. I even... I even get the collectors from uh, the Czech Republic and oh, wow. uh, Ukraine and various places. And like I signed, uh, I signed seven today and oh, wow. uh, pretty well every day there's people sending. So no, no, so no wonder you, you don't answer your phone because you're too busy signing hockey cards. <laughs> no, uh, I just, now, I, now I the truth comes, now the truth. Yeah. You don't, well, that's, you don't look seventy, by the way. You look like you could still you can still play. Look, Reggie Dunlop, he still played, and you. Yeah. Hey, I know that was a well, movie that, slap shot, but you don't look seventy, and you well, look like very you, much. You looks like you can play in the Newfoundland Senior League. I know some of those players are in their mid thirties, and uh, I I um I'm gonna have this gentleman on hopefully very soon. Did you? I know I said I was gonna let you go. Did you ever play with Denny Marouk? You know that. Yeah, I played. I played with. Can Dennis you just Brooke, can yeah. you just can you just talk about him for a short second because he played. I played on the. I was on the ice with him during a, a, a charity tournament, and yeah. I hope to have him on soon. And he scored five goals. He was on the ice for two and a half minutes to three minutes. Couldn't oh, get yeah. him, couldn't get him off the ice. I don't know yeah. how. I think he's probably sixties right now, and I hope I'm right. If he's mid fifties, sixties. No, he'd be he'd be in his sixties. Okay. But he was the same way when he played. He, but in the NHL, you couldn't get him off the ice. <laughs> yeah, he scored. He scored four goals in less than three minutes. He scored a hat trick, and then yeah. the guys, well, oh, now stay on the ice, try to get four. 
So he scores four goals. I know it's a charity tournament, but you look, you think like you got to think there's 20, 30, the, the guy we had that the guy that they had nets, he played college hockey. He played, I don't know if he let the puck in because of Denny Marut, but anyways, like I've, I've played with Mike Medano and that like it's the conditioning people are still in. Denny, yeah. Denny Marouk can still play, and he scored five goals in less than three minutes. Sit goes and sits on the bench, and it didn't even. It seemed like he played two seconds on the ice. No, no, Denny Marouk didn't hurt him one bit. Denny Marouk was a, always a prolific goal scorer. He was a, always a good player, and uh, you know, like I said, I had the good fortune of playing with him in Washington. And when you're talking to him, you tell him I said hello because uh, I will. I always liked Dennis. He's a good fellow. No, and I'll definitely ask him how Bill Riley was um, during yeah. during the 80s and 70s. But man, what a treat! It, what a treat it was in the last hour to have a, a chat with uh, with former New Nova Scotia Voyager, New Brunswick Hawk, and Washington Capital and Winnipeg Jet. So thank you very much, Bill. And uh, this is this has been a treat. And that, this has been episode ten of the OI and Offside Hockey Talk podcast with myself, Jamie Anstey. Thanks very much, Bill. And well, thanks thanks for having me. And uh, you stay safe, young man. And uh, we'll, until we meet again. We will, we will definitely meet again. Maybe, maybe next February we'll, uh, we'll have another story to tell. Sounds like a plan. Okay, man. Take care. Thanks. Thanks again. You're very welcome. Talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. There you have it, folks. That was episode 10 of the OI and Offside Hockey Talk podcast, a very special Black History Month episode brought to you by Sober Athletic Wear. Hop on SoberAthleticWear.com. Check out Troy Calmer's story at the bottom of the page. He is the founder of Sober Athletic Wear, which helps raise awareness for mental health and addictions people face in today's world. So again, hop on SoberAthleticWear.com, see Troy Calmer's story, buy some merchandise. 10% of the sales goes back into the community of Ontario to help mental health and addictions. Again, SoberAthleticWear.com and start a conversation today. <laughs>